Hello and welcome to the podcast at thatguitarlover.com. Today, I'm joined by a local musician named Manny, and we're going to talk today about bass guitars, amplifiers for bass, and effects for bass. So you probably figured out, Manny's probably an expert on bass. I think he is. Welcome, Manny. Please tell the audience a little bit about yourself. Hi, um, yeah, I'm Manny DeGrandis, living in Newmarket for a bunch of years now. I teach bass, gig a lot. Yeah, I'm a bassist for hire. I'm also in a lot of bands. So you've had an opportunity not only to be a professional musician yourself, but to travel as a, as a gigging musician, to teach new bass players, and also to help people get started with bass. I presume, is that fair? That is very fair, yeah. Okay, well then I'm really pleased that you agreed to be here. Uh, I'd like to start our conversation around bass guitars specifically. Our audience, uh, just for your information, varies from brand new players all the way up to those with lots of experience. But I like to start simply, if that's okay with you, yeah. because it helps our audience grow with us. So if you're okay with starting with bass guitars, can we focus on electric bass guitars? We can talk about acoustics at another time. So I know enough to be dangerous. So I know that electric basses come in four, five, four string, five string, six string, eight string, and there's probably even more options, but it strikes me that the four string is the most common. Perhaps you could take a few minutes and explain the differences, what string count you find is the most practical and usable as an individual player, as well as in the band context, because you've done both. Yeah, so uh, this is the debate, and no one's ever right um, with this. Well, that's fair. Uh, but we um, own the microphone. I own the microphone. Yeah, exactly. So, so what I'm going to say is uh, is the right, right answer. Thing. But um, if we're talking strictly beginners, I'm a big fan of just the four string. Um, start there, work your way up. Now, the one time, really one time, I I go against that is if you're a keyboard player and you're used to playing synth lines and you're joining an R&B band and you have like and you're not a full beginner, like you're, you're, you're definitely not a musician beginner, but you're, you might be beginner on the bass. Then I'd say, okay, go for the five string because that's where, you know, it's working. And, or if you're joining a metal band that drop tunes right off the bat, um, then oh, okay. okay. Then I would say, okay, go with the five, but you got to get used to the four. Um, you know, one thing in particular is just less notes to learn. And then adding those extra strings get easier once you have a solid foundation of the four. Yeah, as for beginners, I'm a big fan of the four string. Uh, start there and then work your way up to what you think you need. Okay, that, that's a very yeah. good start. And what I heard from you is start with a four because you can always add a five string or a yeah. six string or whatever. Exactly. Okay, so the fundamentals are the same. Yes. Regardless of the number of strings, but the time to comfort might be shorter with a four string. Is that fair? Yes. Yeah. Comfort and... Now, I notice from being allegedly, having purchased a number over time, that basses seem to come in different scale lengths, a short scale and long scale, and I think some even come in an extra long scale. How does a player choose scale length? Is it related to the size of their hand, the size of their body? Yeah, that's another tough one. Um, I find, you know, if you're, you know, young and you have the little hands and you're, you know, eight, nine, ten, eleven, short scales great. Um, uh, great for that. If you're a guitar player switching over uh, to bass, the short scale very, feels very comfortable. Um, we're at a great time and and um, for bass where there are great short scales being made. 20 years ago, maybe not so much. I do have a short scale. But yes, um, at the end of the day, it's all about comfort. So some females feel more comfortable on the short scale. The extra long scale, they're not as much out there. You know, I, I don't really see a benefit to that anyways, because uh, it's harder to find strings <laughs> to, right. to replace them, things like that. You know, if you can, if you feel comfortable on a regular size, you could always go, again, go back. If I heard you correct, Short scale is, is perfectly fine, mm -hmm. but if you're going to move between string counts, maybe a standard scale is probably a better place to start if your body is sized for it. And I want to come back to something you said. 
It's got to be comfortable yeah. to play. Because if it's not comfortable, I suspect it's going to happen to that bass guitar the same as happens to regular guitars. Yeah. They end up under the bed or in the closet and never touched again. Exactly, exactly. And some of the like some of the short scales are are lighter too, so that really helps um some people um too, especially the, the little ones. Or the older ones whose backs have gone <laughs> out. <laughs> that too, yes. Now you've been involved in music for quite some time. And given your work, you've had that opportunity to play a lot of different bass guitars. In the case of someone who's starting out, maybe bass is a new instrument for them. They may have been a guitar player. They may not. If you were going to, you know, if someone were to contact you and say, hey, Manny, help me out. I'm looking for a good entry type four string. What should I buy? There's a few ways to look at that, of course. Um, my first, it's a little different now, but my first thing is like, what is your okay, why do you like bass and, and who is your favorite bass player? And let's try to find that same brand or look. Let's okay. go from there. You know, I, I always say, you know, especially when they're younger, they have to like the way they look with it and they like the like the guitar and like the, you know, like there's some cases where eh, you shouldn't buy your, you know, five-year-old Flying V, but if they're going to pick it up every day... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, maybe get it. Yeah, so for like, a, there's so many models now. Uh, I was a huge fan of Sire, but they've, they've gone, of course, up in price. Right. They were that great, put a couple bucks more in, and you get a nice solid uh, beginner base. I'm a huge fan of the Yamaha BB series, and there's different levels of it, but even their quote-unquote bottom-of-the-line BB is, is not their bottom-of-the-line product on base, and those are fantastic for starting out. I... You know, those are very easy sell because they look good and they sound good and they play good and they're not breaking the bank. I do like some of the upper end squires too. It's just when you get to those bottom of the line of all the companies, they they tend to, things start just falling apart. The knobs fall apart and all easy fixes, right? But, but the, that's going to be discouraging to somebody. It is because they keep coming in the store and like, oh, this, and then I try to make it like, oh, it's just simply just use a little screw or give a little tighten and don't worry, you did nothing wrong. And, um, you know, because especially the little guys or girls, they get, they're like, oh, I broke the base. I'm going to get in trouble. <laughs> Stuff like right. that. But but it's also a money thing, you know, and I always, you know, you know, you only have a certain amount of money, you know. Um, so I get that and I just try to get the best product for that. There's so many, so many options. Now, the good thing, too, is something like an Ibanez. Um, they have the thinner neck, so that's a bit easier for, for people with little hands, too. And, and you don't break the bank. And, of course, the Ibanez start low and then go all the way up, too, also. So there's a lot. Of, it's really hard. I wish um, I wish there was that one I could just say, oh, buy this. But there there's a lot of models, which is great, because then there's a lot of visually look good-looking um, instruments. And Well, that it, means that somebody could sit down with somebody like yourself, try several and see the one that not only looks comfortable for them, but also yeah. plays well for them. Exactly. And, you know, once they do sit down and, you know, you give someone the $300 base, no matter where they are, and then you give them the $500 base, they're starting, they're hearing the difference, they're feeling the difference. And then they're like, okay, well, you know, either buy it or or let's come back in a month or let's let's order a red one. And right. it'll be here in a month and we'll save up for it. And, you know. Yeah, it, but it 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 is uh, it is tricky. But visually, you find what you like. Why there's a reason why you're choosing bass, and there's probably a bass player you like. So go down that route. You know. Okay, well that that's actually very good advice. Would you change your guidance at all if this new player? And let's say you, I'm going to use the example that you brought up. They real they're really into metal. Yeah, and so they're looking for a five string because that's what their heroes play. It, would you change anything in your recommendations to somebody looking, who's starting out looking at a five string? I still try to deter them to a four. Just it, it all depends. If this is their second base, yep. You know, I've had people come in and just be like, "I want a five, but definitely not a Fender." Oh, okay. You know, stuff like that. I usually could f pull them into a, <clears throat> a cool looking four string metal base. But, mm -hmm. you know, if, if that is, like, if you're, like I said, if you're joining a band right away with your buddies and they're drop tuning, okay, let's do the five, hear how it works, the, you know, it's a lower string that's being added, it's going to be heavier, <laughs> it's going to be thicker, it's going to, 
And if you're playing down there, um, now your hand's reaching over to that bottom string a lot. It's going to maybe be uncomfortable. So let's suppose then that the next person who comes to you has been playing for a few years. They got themselves a really good initial bass, and they're still enthused. They love playing. Mm -hmm. But now they're maybe jamming a lot more or gigging out or whatever is the reason or maybe they've just got gas now, yeah. <laughs> gear acquisition syndrome, it's time for a better bass. Okay. So if we look in the, let's say the 1000 to $1,500 price point, are there particular lines that you would suggest folks look at? This is where it becomes a longer conversation. I always try to say, get something different because you've already got that. So what I mean is if you have a P bass and you're loving it, sounds great. Well, why not try a jazz? You know, now you have best of both worlds. Now, if you want to upgrade that P bass, then I say, okay, upgrade the P bass, but then get a cheaper jazz bass. This way you still have, having two instruments that do exactly the same thing is no, it just doesn't make sense to me. Although I have <laughs> a bunch of them now, but for years when, you know, when, when money was, was tighter and, and, and paying for school and all that stuff, I had three basses. I, I had a vintage e, a 71 jazz i had a warwick streamer you know for a newer sound and i had a fretless because that covered everything and then you know so i and that really worked for me so for studio live or whatever so i find get something different now yes you have a squire p bass yes getting you know getting a player series mexican p bass is gonna sound way better feel better maybe even look better so that's always the thing and you gotta I really gotta find out what are you playing what are you doing if you have a p bass and you're going into metal let's say well now let's look at the higher end ibanez you know let's look over there look look on that side brands are hard because i always find every brand like every big name brand I guess I want to just say this, like, please, when you buy an instrument, go to a music store, any music store, instead of, you know, the Walmart or the Costco or whatnot. Oh, well, listen, I'll say it. Yeah, yeah, you know, buy from like, a real guitar store. A real guitar real, store. A real music store. Go in, speak to someone, and then if you're not feeling the vibe from that someone, because not saying, you know, not everybody has great workers, or maybe the bass guy isn't in that day, it, you know, come back the next time and maybe talk to someone else. But definitely... Try to speak with a professional about all that stuff. Because with me, I, you know, I, like I'll sit there and try this, try that, and give them ideas and of other things. Well, it's a more of, of a consultative yeah. process. Listen, folks, I I agree, and I'll probably be a li little bit more strident than Manny's been. He's been super polite. If you go into a shop and you don't feel good, you're in the wrong shop. Yeah. Or you might be dealing with just the wrong person. And I know myself, just my own experience, a great guitar person may not be a great bass person. Yes. Just ask outright. Yeah. Who knows bass best? Yeah. And I found that most good guitar shops, they go, oh, yeah, you want to talk to Manny. Yeah. Because that's what he does. He's a professional bass player. And he's also an educator. So he's got the experience in talking to people. And helping folks out at whatever level they're at. This is not a place, I don't believe, where the internet sales engine or the big box store is helping you very much when, unless you know exactly yeah. what you're looking for. Yeah. And very often what you think is exactly is not. The buying online is, is so hard um, if you're a beginner. Very hard. Because you just don't know how it's going to feel. Um you know, I've only well, bought particularly if yeah. it's something different, right? Yeah. You don't know how the neck's going to feel. No, no. So get into a store and play them. Yeah, definitely. You need to have a comfort level and don't, you know, you know, not feel rushed. As you said, when you were starting out, you, you weren't flush with money. Yeah. So the idea I think is to get the best value you can and value is not just the lowest price. Yes. It's the best experience and the thing that's going to fit you for the longest time you're going to want to play it. You know, but you're talking about yeah. the difference between a $250 bass and one that maybe, like one of the classic vibes, you're yeah. in around $500, but that's a fabulous instrument. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I wanted to actually mention that earlier when we were talking about a beginner bass. Like, those are uh, amazing and uh, a lot of people keep them. 
let's face it, Fender's got a pretty darn good reputation mm -hmm. in general, but particularly in the bass space. Yeah. You said P bass a lot for those who may not know. <laughs> that stands for precision bass. And I know when I was coming up, there were two basses, the yeah. precision bass and the jazz bass. And then there was everything else. And unless you were an odd fellow, hi, that'd be me, <laughs> who wanted a Rickenbacker, yeah. th those were really, really great choices. Now, I think one of the things that confuses folks when they're going out and they're looking at basses is a lot of folks today are dependent upon what they see from YouTube. Mm -hmm. And a lot of those influencers are paid. Mm -hmm. So you're never going to hear anything bad. Yeah. Everything is great. I've watched some of them and some of them are, as you said, you know, some are going to be really good mm -hmm. and some are going to be really horrible, but they never seem to explain why I might want active pickups or passive pickups. Mm -hmm. Can you take a moment on that? Yes, active and passive. <laughs> so I would never get a passive for a beginner. I try not to sell them. Uh, uh, sorry, an active base. Like no batteries, just um, perfect example is the Ibanez Talman. Wonderful beginner base for a really cheap price. And then when they first came out, maybe, but there, we got the active ones. And I'm like, oh, it's so hard to sell that and try to tell you know an eight ten eleven year old they have to unplug the base or the battery's gonna die like it's already stressful enough for the youngins to practice and then you know and then you finally get down there and then the battery's dead and then what if you know dad's not home and mom doesn't want to change the battery oh oh it's um yeah it, it that drives me crazy and then they also had uh the one thing that drove me crazy about it too is they have the stack pots right and they're already breaking before they're sold. So I'm like, you know, and it's actually more expensive, obviously, to make an active because you have to put more into the base. So my bases, all my bases are passive, um, except for one. I have one active, one active five string, because that is a sound. It was, it's been, it's dying out more now. We had this conversation five, six, 10 years ago. Active was very popular. They've upgraded a lot of the, preamps so now if you want an active base you just buy a preamp and and you don't have to ever you know you plug it in and 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 that's essentially what it's doing active bases give you bass treble mid all on your base great now you're a beginner and you're trying to figure that sound out and then you're trying to figure out the sound of your amp and and then you're blowing speakers because you're like oh i like it bassy so you put your bass on 10 on your bass and on your amp and then um, it's a lot of work. I think they're they're great for quick changes on the fly, uh, but I just, yeah, I'm kind of done with active. That's fair. Yeah, I find them a lot more work, a lot more thought process. You know, you give me knobs, you give me pedals, I'm touching them all day long instead of playing the notes, <laughs> right? Well, I think that you've hit on something really important because this is something that we see, or I see particularly with guitarists and pedals. If it's got so many knobs on it, you get option paralysis. Mm -hmm. I don't know what to do with it. So I'm going to go back to the thing that's got none. Yeah. And I think that's the real benefit, in my opinion, based on what you're telling me, of the passive. It's as simple as possible, but no simpler. And the more you practice, the more you're going to get out of that passive base anyway, and you'll be less dependent on the electronics. Yes. I yeah. Mean, I, I'm considerably older than you, but I think Carol Kay played the same precision bass on about 10,000 songs. All of them, yeah. And she, she did pretty well. Yeah, yeah. You know, I found that once I got rid of the active, I learned so much of hand placement. Right hand placement was uh, closer to the neck, you get a beefier sound. Closer to the, to the bridge, you get a, a, a thinner you know, sound or, or, or high, more high endy. And it's like, wow, I just move, you know, so I'm a, I love, I'm loving P basses right now. And you know, you get people are like, oh, that's one sound. Not when you move the hand around, not when you, you know, use your thumb instead of your fingers. Like it's, it's crazy. So you, and then, and then with that, the bass becomes more a part of you. Bass is an interesting instrument where 
you know, you're you're setting the groove up with the drummer, of course. So it's like when, you know, to get all hippie or whatever, but like when the bass is a part of you, it's just an extension. It's just attached to your hands and, and you know, like it, you just you feel the bass more and you're able to and be well, one with the bass. I think you're saying you're just more in it. You're just in it. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Well, we're yeah. going gonna to talk about bass players that inspire both of us in a little bit. I really appreciate you explaining the whole passive active thing. And it's actually personally reinforcing. Yeah. Because a bunch of my bases I have active and I never use them in active mode because yeah. I can't remember what all the darn pots do. Oh, I try to sell one and they're like, what is this one? What is that one? I'm like constantly looking it up because, you know, like even when they're stacked, you know, if, if there's a stacked knob out of all the non-stacked knobs, you're like, oh, that's bass and treble on top. No, that could be your two mids. No, that could be your passive, <laughs> your passive tone on top of your Oh, exactly, you know, exactly. It's, it's a lot, but, you know, some, some basses are just... If you think of active electronics, right, you think of a, an outboard preamp, you know, a good one's $400 and up, right? Well, so now you're buying a bass, a whole bass with, with this active system. Is it going to sound good? There's a compromise in there someplace, yeah. right? So personally, I would, I, I thank you for that because I would agree. If you're starting out or if you are even a professional, death by battery, particularly live. Yeah. Oh, you're never going to get asked back. It dies and, so slowly. And and I don't know about <laughs> you, but I've got a couple of bases that don't use one nine volt. They yeah. use two. And getting those things out, mm -hmm. the batteries are a little bigger than the hole. I'm yeah. pretty sure. <laughs> like yeah. I need surger, surgical tools to get those batteries out. I would definitely say make sure the battery component is is easy to get to on the fly. And then the other thing is too, like when you play an 18 volt, what does that mean? There's more power going out. Well, you're uh, definitely going to have an issue with the input level on the uh, amp. And it's amazing. Amps now do have an input and an output level. So that helps a lot um, now, like they've learned. But I can remember even older Fender amps from 15, 20 years ago. They were still branded basement, but they were solid state, but they had separate inputs. Active in or or passive in, and it was just one more thing to confuse people. One more, yeah, they still do have that, and and even though I had an active base, I never plugged it in there because you lose fifteen dB generally, and then right, I'm like well, that's that's base territory. <laughs> no, exactly, <laughs> right? exactly. Like, wait, I want to lose my base sound. <laughs> so we started to talk about amplifiers, mm. and boy, is there a wide range of bass amps in the market. Most of them these days appear to be solid state. Some of them have built in DSP, di digital signal processing voices. And I know in the case of guitar players, some of them really get their shorts in a knot about two versus solid state. Mm -hmm. I don't see that so much in the bass players. Like bass players seem to be, am I getting the sound I want? Terrific. Yeah. If you're a gigging musician, you definitely want a solid state. I like I would almost say solid state without the DSP. The tube, I do have a tube Dean and Peg B15 and also have a, a trainer YBA one. I use them for recording. You know, the, the tube amps are heavier. They are warmer, um, which is great, especially if you're playing, uh, you know, P bass and Motown. Like, it's just going to sound great. Now, if you're a metalhead, like, that, forget the tube amps. There's no need. Um, you're not, you know in the studio, you know, and all that stuff, but live, you're going to just want a good solid state. Something that's reliable. That's not going to be so temperature sensitive. That's going to handle going up and down flights of stairs. Exactly. And, uh, and make it easier on yourself or your roadies to carry oh, it up and down. Well, the stairs. Exactly. I mean, that's, the, that's yeah. the big challenge with yeah. tubes. Yeah. It's not that they sound bad. It's that they're fragile. Very. Yeah. And they're heavy. Well, yeah. I'm, and, and I'm with you on that. Yeah. I, I love the sound of an SVT. Yeah. But I don't want to carry it. Don't want to and carry it. And I don't it. want to try to move that eight by ten cabinet. No. I can't I'm too old. No. I can't do it anymore. No, you gotta buy specific vehicles for that. <laughs> you, <laughs> know, you can't uh, um do So that. if I'm hearing you right, a decent solid state amp that has enough power for your use case mm -hmm. is probably a good place to go. Mm -hmm. And the DSP stuff is probably not necessary. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of weird because now they've if it's your first amp and you got a few dollars and you're looking for a good practice amp, like some of those, you know, the Boss Katanas, um, bass ones, 
are great because you know you get okay, your, you get to, to try um, you know you get to try out what does a flanger sound like what does a chorus without going to the music store and feeling awkward trying them out and not and feeling stressful to play in front of people. So um, you know it's it is a good way um, you know you but you could also just buy a multi effects unit um, right. and then learn that way also and and not break the bank. But you're suggesting that the katana bass is a good general starter amp. That one's great, and even I think the, the you know the fenders have some of that. Starter amps are hard because um, do you you want do you want um, something just for your room, and then when you go jam with someone and you bring over, it's not going to reach. So like, you, you definitely want a hundred and fifty watts minimum solid state to play with a band. I always say, then okay. you know you got a little bit of headroom. You're not going to get all you know because especially. Okay. When you're kids, you know, you're in high school, you're getting that room, everybody puts it on 10, right? So, um, oh, I have no idea what you're talking about, <laughs> sir. And it's just, and it's just amazingly loud and wonderful in your head. But yeah, you just don't want to blow your amp or whatnot. So, right. you know, I've had a, a Rumble 40 that I would use, I've used on the gigs and whatnot for yeah. a bit, and they're nice and light. Um, you know, or you could just go up to the combo of the 800 and you're good for, but now can you practice with that? Yes, but it's very big and luggy. So I, you know, I always think a nice little practice amp and then you're, you know, you can even just leave your amp at your, you know, your drummer's house where you guys jam and whatnot, and then have that 150 watt amp. And, you know, if you're once again, you know, with the DSP in there, like if you're just using it for a song or two. Yeah, like okay, I'm gonna use chorus on this song, and then I want distortion on this song, and then then it's easy to use. Um, if you're changing your sound, and that's the other thing. Now you're gonna be changing, you're gonna over you overusing it because it's in your amp, and you're gonna have flanger on this song and <laughs> distortion on this song, and and you know Ottawa on this one, and then all of a sudden you're not making, you know, you're 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 no longer playing bass. You're no longer playing bass. Uh, you're you're playing to the effect and and all that. But, uh, well, that sounds very yeah. similar to guitar players who get caught up in these multi-effectors too. Yeah. Which effects are you using? All of them. Yeah. <laughs> I can yeah, tell. I can tell. Because <laughs> it sounds like something the cat yacked up. Yeah. Okay. But I think that's pretty good guidance that a small amp for bedroom and practice yeah. may not be the same thing as the amp that you're going to jam with your friends with or gig with. Yeah. And I think your guidance is very good on the power output so you're suggesting somewhere around 150 watts yeah and that'll keep up with a drummer in a jam well it's interesting we're talking about power because i remember when i was coming up several hundred years ago bass amps tended to have a lot more power on tap which they needed because they were also using a lot bigger speakers drivers mm -hmm. do you still see that and why do bass amps want bigger speakers in general this is, it's a crazy time right now. When I was coming up, you always played on a stage. There was always a sound guy. There was no chicken wing joints where you're playing in the corner on the floor. So back then, yeah, every show was a show. The more, so um, the drivers are weird because, you know, um, you go and get a, a 110 inch and you're like, oh, there's no bottom in. But as soon as you put eight of them together, the eight creates. They create the bottom. bottom you're end. creating more surface area. and for years, you know, like right now, I just got the new Mark Bass 210. Now, I've heard wonderful things about this. Yeah, it's they're so light and they actually sound great. Like this is normally I'll I'll I just buy the product, but this this one I was I was weary. I said, uh, let me take it out on a couple gigs. And um I'm very very happy with this 210 and I'll probably just be using that a lot of time. I also have a 410 that I bring for bigger gigs. Um but yeah, I don't know. This 210 is great. And just, you know, uh, I had two 112s that I would put together and I did AB them in my basement. And of course the two 112s gave a little bit more bottom end. But then all I did was turn up the bass a little bit on my EQ, um, not my bass guitar, but the actual bass. And it got close. It got really close. And what the, the biggest selling feature with this is that, you know, it, it, it weighs 23 pounds for a cabinet. But you, when we do go to festivals and you play the outdoor venues, there is always, you know, generally an 810, a 610, um, sometimes with, you know, a, a, you know, Mark Bass or a Subway little head on top, not, not always the tube ones anymore, but um, you are getting the more speakers, uh, the bigger speaker cabinets in there for that. 
and also they're making them lighter right across the board. Um, so you could get, you know, you know, you could get an A10 that's, you know, half of the size of the original A10, half of the weight, I should say, half of the weight. Preferences, I don't really, everybody has a different preference um, of staying. I'm really happy with this 210. I really, I don't well, it's know. it's actually going to, from physics, it's going to deliver more bass yeah. or more low frequency than a 115. Yes. Yes, right? And that was kind of the weird thing. So you don't really see a lot of 15s anymore, or at least they're making them, but they're not being sold as much. Well, you don't, I certainly don't see them in stores yeah. the way I did 40 plus years ago. Yes. Yeah. And there also seems to be a lot more openness towards multiple smaller drivers. Yes. As opposed to one or two enormous drivers. Technology has come so far that, like you know, a u in a a b uh, two ten that's made today towards the to the first two ten, and it's just crazy, you know. They're making them, but I particularly like what I've seen the engineers do at MarkBase yeah. in getting things more drivers, proper tweeters, yeah. So you get that overtone that you should get out of a well mic bass natively out of the cabinet yeah do you do you agree that that's a really awesome line 100 percent. when they first came to canada to canada i bought the head i was really into the head more than the speakers probably just because the colors i probably did well they are distinctive looking <laughs> they're, they're yellow and and whatnot um you know but tracy elliott had the big greens but but now I'm I'm actually more into the speakers than the heads i hate saying anything negative but they've come out with these great it sounds great, um, the new market, but they have everything coming out of the front. And what I mean is the effects loop, the foot switch quarter inch. So you've got four quarter inches looking at you. What they did, which is brilliant, is that the the one that you plug your base into lights up. So when you do look over, one of them's lit, and then you know which one to plug in. So I'm going to give them that. But they even have the XLR out, everything out of the front. And it's just so like... It's a lot. I like my stuff simple. I, I hear you. I, graphic EQ, forget it. I just EQ my good tone out. Um, you know, my, so I love, you know, at the I love the Bergantino and I love all the original, you know, the, the old trainers, and the old ampes, cause it's just bass, you know, mid treble or maybe low mid, high mid. And I could deal with that. I could work with that. And, and generally I just put them all flat anyway. So I just let my hands do the work. No, <laughs> I, I have to agree with you on that. Yeah. I, I tend to ride my volume, my tone yeah. on my bass more than I futz with the amp. Yeah. Yeah. And once I get the amp for the room. Yeah. I'll leave it alone. That's it. Okay. Now, you've given us some good guidance in terms of sizing and wattage, depending on, on use case. I'd like to touch briefly on an area that's absolutely, whether anybody wants to admit it or not, changing the world in the way of guitar and i don't know that it's new i think it's been around for a long time in bass and that's going direct mm -hmm. direct to pa you know i can remember because i attended all the tours when getty lee replaced his back line with washing machines mm -hmm. because he was then going direct um, at the time he was using a palmer speaker simulator and now we see companies like Tech 21 NYC, they do these devices. They have some Getty Lee signature models and uh, among some others. And lots of people make that sort of thing. I own a unit that I bought specifically for recording called from EBS, mm -hmm. big European base mm -hmm. uh, company. I've not seen them check out Jeff Beck live at Ronnie Scott's because that's what Tal Wilkenfeld is playing. But this MicroBase 3 makes it really great and easy to record. Uh, you can actually record at night mm -hmm. in your home. And it can go in the bag for a gig if there's a PA. Yeah. Because I can run straight to the PA from it. Do you see this as a reasonable option or as an alternative to an amplifier for the player who wants mm -hmm. to go that route? Yeah. I mean, if you if we did this like three months ago, <laughs> I'd be like, no, no. Um Okay, so what everybody really needs to realize is that the, I know Getty had really good in-ears. Yes. 
excellent in here. So when I first started, you know, maybe 12 years ago with, um, with the in-ear kind of uh, thing and maybe the no amp, I just didn't, the, the, just the headphones weren't great. So no matter what, I'm like, I, I just never felt right. Yeah, you weren't uh, feeling it. Weren't feeling it. So right. nowadays, you know, I mean, a lot this, you know, the stage looks good or a lot easier for stage volume for the sound man, all that. I, if your favorite words are turn it down. Yeah, right. You know, um, singers in ears are the perfect thing. So now, but for this, so I, I, I've got. I unfortunately I had to give it back, but I will get it back. Um, Yamaha lent me the the brand new Ampeg. SGTDI. Okay. I am uh, absolutely blown away. Um, the Microbase 3 from EBS was the greatest thing for a while. I, the problem is Canadian distributing. Oh, yeah. So for a while, they weren't even in Canada. Um, they were here, and they're back now, but but still, because they're so They're unknown, a niche player. Yeah. That, I mean, it's great stuff, but if you're in Europe, yeah, you can't walk without tripping over really, EBS. Yeah. Here, uh, here, it, it's a hide and go seek. It's really yeah. hard to find. But you say that this new Ampeg product, um, and and I take it Yam, Yamaha owns Ampeg. Yes, no? yes. Okay, yes. what was it called? Uh, SGTTI. Okay, SGD. Yeah, and so it's got a cab sim, right? Um, and 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 a volume of it, so you could you know so and it has the fifteen, the four ten, and an eight ten. <laughs> Surprisingly. Like, wow, okay, um, very well. And then it has um, a switch where you could get the B15 or an SVT sound. And very authentic, very great. So with that, I've used, I used it uh, quite a few times. So myself and Ryan Ainsworth do a duo. So uh, he plays acoustic guitar and sings, and I just I play bass and sing some backups. Uh, I tend for, so it was crazy. So I started, because I had this on loan, and they said, you know, give a real test, want your feedback, yada, yada. Um, you know, I brought it out to gigs. So we played Riverwalk one time just as a duo. Yep. Riverwalk ha had, um, it's it just a little place down here, but what they it had full production. So it had um, the monitors, big speakers, the whole thing, right? So just like any big concert. So I was like, yeah, let me just let's try this out. Cause uh, mostly because I was running to another gig after or coming one of the two. And I couldn't believe. And now also the other thing is the monitor speakers are so amazing now that they're, you're getting bass response. Oh, absolutely. So they're, they're just, it's a, you know, an NX-10 Yorkville, and it's like, oh, the bass sounds great on it. The, the new um, Yorkvilles that they just came out with that are battery-operated, the bass sounds amazing through them. So it's a different time now. The speakers have come a long way. Um, so if you don't want to buy the super expensive in-ears, they seem like on hassle and, they, and then the sound man has to have a separate monitor out for you and all that stuff so i used it i used it a few and then i used it where we just had uh the, we play at slab town cider wonderful place where outside and they have one monitor which is that brand new um, yorkville from the name escapes me and, and a couple mains and just through that just play through that um where you know now there's no drummer we're not loud so i was like okay that works great then uh, I play in another band, uh, Four One Soul Funk Band, and and the guitar players are using now a Helix lot. No speaker cab, no nothing. Just coming through the monitors. The the singer or uh, Danny plays, sings and keyboards. No amp. So I'm the only one who's lugging an amp in. So I brought. I'm like, okay, let's try this on that gig. Right. Found out we had a sub drummer, so I said, uh, I better bring, uh, I better bring something. So I ended up having. I was that. And once again, that brand new Yorkville with me. So I said, okay, I'll bring that this way. I got something in the back for, um, for, you know, for myself and, and, uh, and the drummer. And I couldn't believe it. Like my tone, like I'm not, this is the first time I'm not sacrificing my tone to not carry gear. We're in a world now where yes, that's all that stuff. And I've used that for home recording. Now, prior to, uh, I would, uh, I do bass tracks at home, um, get hired, call me. Uh, no, just, and what I use um, for my home recording was I would just plug my bass straight into my, my interface, which is an SSL 2 Plus. Yep. Um, it just sounds fantastic. The oh, bass sounds fantastic. That little unit's got great preamps. 
it's it's amazing. And then I happen to have um, an Ampeg SVT plugin. Yeah. That just uh, happens to sound great. I got it for free. They were giving it away during COVID. And I was like, okay. And then I'm like so happy with an SVT Classic. Sounds great. And that's all I use. And it's and it sounds great. But then, you know, now with these new, like, you know, the, the uh, you know, the sgt di and now i get more tonal options it's really hard you know uh, yeah and, and you know i sent it out i mean you know I'm, people are always saying like you know when i send them the bass track how great it sounds it sounds clean because i'm not using anything like i'm plugging straight in clean and it sounds great and then they could add whatever they want compression and all that afterwards but i'm it's really it's it's a different time for all that so the s the one you have the esb um i remember that really blowing up the scene uh people were really going crazy about it because it just it's it's now it's finally the sound of their amp in a box properly it's for right. a year i i used to like i said i used to do that before and i used the, the old uh mxr one and and stuff and i just i was never fully satisfied with the sound but you're suggesting that with the modern the more modern tools Mm -hmm. I mean, I've been very happy with the EBS, but I'm not a professional like yeah. yourself. Uh, this new Ampeg sounds great. I also bought, when they first came out, uh, a simplifier, which is out of Chile. Okay. And it does three different heads and three different cabinets. Yeah. It's a little black box, and it's built for recording. Yeah, yeah. But it's got, you know, you can punch it out to FRFRs, and it sounds pretty darn good. Yeah. I just happen to like the UI better on the... Uh, on the micro bass three because yeah. the simplifier it's literally you can't see me making <laughs> the size of a pack of cigarettes but it's yeah. the size of a yeah pack I, of cigarettes it's it's yeah the sounds are coming out of these and things my only challenge is being older the knobs are, and the switches are a little small yeah <laughs> hard to see you know? yeah you know you know coming from where everything was big to everything small it's really hard um what i like about specifically the the ampeg um has those switches right on top you don't have to go into a little module and, and, and all this stuff it's just like oh okay now i want to like and i literally was doing this in between songs where i wanted to hear the difference live how does that b15 and when i switch the svt sound like how does the when i go to the, the cab sim um and it's just a simple click click uh, just a just a click switch not uh you don't have to go in and uh, no menus patch, no apps on the phone uh, i'm with you yeah if i can't do it fast yeah i'm not interested now for home recording you got time but that's a different thing right it's right. a different use case different, different uh, and thing. and i'm similar to you i will typically run straight into uh an apollo or to a claret both of which have very good mm -hmm. preamps and i'll record clean yeah. And then do the work after the fact, mm -hmm. which leads me to <laughs> effects. Oh, our mutual friend, Cody, when we were here last talking, he told a story about a guy who brought in a pedal board that could also fly a starship. Like it was just enormous. Yes. You know, had, I don't know, 30 something pedals on it. I haven't seen that same level of pedal insanity among bass players. Maybe I'm looking in the wrong place. Yes, you definitely are. Uh, are pedals a real thing for bass pedal players uh, these days? Yes, they totally are. And then they're totally not. <laughs> okay. So you've got um, guys like D Doug Wimbish from Living Color right now. He's got definitely two boards. Mike Gordon from Fish, big uh, big pedal guy. Um, Juan Alderette, who played Mars Volta. He was out of hand on one tour. He even said he was out of hand. He had three boards and he was blocked in, one on either side and one in front. <laughs> so, yes. So, there's some crazy guys. I love pedals. I bring out um, just an eight pedal board. Um, um, not to every gig, of course. Um, it's hit and miss. I find when I do bring it, I do step on things that I probably don't have to be stepping on. <laughs> But um, when I do, there's songs that I really feel that need it. And when I'm playing Love of Money from Ohio Players, you know, I play that intro with the phaser and the crowd goes wild. Like, you know, I pull but out. That's a, the sound. That's the sound. So that's the thing. Exactly. So if I'm trying to emulate. Well, uh, in, in that case, sound. you've got a specific use case. Yes. Where 
you need a pedal to get it, right? Exactly. You play it without it, meh, but then you play with it, people. Well, it doesn't feel the same. Doesn't Again, it comes back to that thing you said about feeling. Mm-hmm. You want to hear the little bit of whoosh. Exactly. Right. So, like, if I'm playing with Ryan, um, what I did bring for a while was a chorus pedal here and there. But if I bring my pedal board, like, there's, you know, you don't need no wah on acoustic songs or a whammy pedal or something, right? You know, you just start doing it to be funny. Uh, but yes, the, the the gas is real for a lot of bass players. And, you know, you fill that pedal board and then you get a bigger one. Uh, I have yeah. no idea what you're talking about. So I counted them. I have 12 boards, separate boards. Separate here. boards, eh? Yeah, it's, um, I, I admit, but I'm insane. Yeah. <laughs> so let's let's try to help out the folks who are okay. starting out or haven't lost it yet. Yes. <laughs> if there were three or four pedals that you would suggest are generally very useful for any bass player, yeah. for really any variety of music, what would they be? Yeah, this is this is a tricky question because it depends on what style you're playing. You know, to be a funk player, you gotta, you know, you gotta have an Ottawa. You know, okay. maybe a phaser or maybe a wah. Um, I do like the sound of uh the wah. Uh, just on on funky kind of things um you know you're playing rock then a good you know a, a good overdrive um and then you know another an overdrive and then maybe an overdrive with the boost some of them have the two two pedal knobs yeah options um sometimes a fuzz right and sometimes like the fuzz works really well on on uh you know, like more of that dancey hip hop stuff, or right. you want to go for that vibe, a sub sound. So then I'll use a fuzz with you know an octave. So, so, so on my board, but I use a, I have a wah back on. I I tend to take the wah on and off because I just have too much fun with the wah. I'm like, okay, you're being bad. <laughs> You've overdid it tonight. The wah needs to get uh, off. I, I can't speak for other people, <laughs> but I have to take the wah off the board pretty regularly because otherwise. The wah doesn't go on every song, idiot. <laughs> it's fun. I have two octaves, uh, pedals, which is, but I, it's fun. Now, are they sub-octave? Yeah, so one's down, one's up. Actually. One down, one yeah, up. So I use the pog, but I hardly ever use, um, to be honest, I never push that pog up uh, on. It's a bit of, it's it's very digitally sounding, and very, which is when I need it, it's great, but I hardly ever use it. It's there, but I, I do have, I have like an OC2 uh, Boss Japan one that, uh, for the down, and I love it. There's so many great octave pedals. Ottawa, for sure, also on there. And then and then Distortion. And the top, like, you know, I bring a phaser, or sometimes I switch it out for a chorus, or I bring those two out. Um, depends, once again, on the gig. And uh, I have a vibrato on there because, because Joan Alder it. Um, made me fall in love with it and i hardly ever turn on but when i do it's glorious and then i have a delay it's a really nice for soloing you know right um a really nice on just to widen note yeah i'm not doing the, the pink bass. floyd thing with it no, um no. or anything but i and i only do turn it on for or, or like a freaky like in the middle of like a zeppelin a whole lot of love then okay then i'll turn on a bunch of things but i tried to um you know i did they're fun. They're very, the effects are just uh, fun, <laughs> you know, um, especially on bass. And I said, if I'm using it for, you know, a song like for the love money or that's the sound of it, um, even like, um, I don't know why this song came in my head. I don't even play it, but uh, Fly Away from Lenny Kravitz, you know, he's got a little yeah. Wah Ottawa on there and it, you play without it, uh, you know, it's not the same. You play with it. And, people- and well, I can certainly see, I mean, if you're doing covers, yeah, you got to match the sound. Otherwise, yeah. you're not succeeding. That's what I tell myself. Yeah. yeah, but it's true, right? Yeah, it just sounds better with it. Well, it's what it's what the client, what the customer is expecting. Exactly. So why not deliver? Okay, I follow the same rule for my basses as I do for my guitars, and that change the strings regularly. Yeah, the string it just has to feel right. I've gone, man crazy with that trying to find the perfect one i'm a daddario guy um yep. just keep going to that they're everywhere they're fair you, priced you can find them everywhere oh it's just uh they do what they're supposed to do yeah no the myxls yeah, are just a higher it's they're just a higher quality wine higher quality wine. I, and i li- i like those a lot because yeah. the code as you say finding a good coated string is is hard challenging 
try them everybody try them um you know uh, go over a friend's house who's got a bunch of bases and and ask what strings, strings they are um they're so great i'm a huge fan of just you know a medium light gauge yeah um 45 to 100 or 105 depends um, so is that is that a, a generally a good gauge for most players yeah 45 yeah. 145 105 exactly you're playing in standard tuning i think it's great you know they're they're not you know loose or whatnot and you know just feel good get full bottom end and full high end changing the strings depends on what you're playing i've got you know i got a pair of flats that are i don't know 25 years old i love them they i feel like they get better with age some i would i would concur on flat wounds yeah i agree with you they've got a sound and they're flat yeah there isn't a lot of place for dunk to get in them yeah. Wipe them down after you play. You're done. You're done. Which is weird because I was had that same thought process with an upright. And then uh, then I did change the upright, the strings. And I was like, wow, okay, this is great. But I don't know. I, I, these flats to me just feel magical. So on my fretless, I tend to change the strings a lot more. than, And then there's some P basses that I don't change the strings. So I have pretty old strings on there because that's the vibe I'm going for. Right. Um, some of my jazzes I have, I change them regularly because I'm slapping and popping. Yeah. And stuff like, you know, so um, playing, you know, some bands with a pick and you want just more, you know, so you want that. Um, um, well, the more you're flexing the wind, the more it's going to go dead quicker. Yes. It's weird, too, because, you know, like I have I, I have the old vintage basses. So a lot of like these higher end coded ones just don't sound out good on it because they weren't made well, no, <laughs> for those basses. Made, made to your, hear that. So... But yeah, strings just like try try them all out, and it's weird. Your hands start changing too. The feel of things don't feel the same sometimes right. after a while, and then you change up the string. You're like, oh, this feels. Or whatever it is, yeah, it's real. There's there's a science behind it. I love someone to do their PhD on it and teach us why. Because I'm like, why does these regular strings I've been buying my whole life don't feel the same? So, as we get towards the end, we've had a good chat. I think, about getting started, bass guitars, amplifiers, effects. I want to end with some recommendations for folks to go listen to, some bassists that Mm. might inspire them or give them a sense of, hey, it's more than just four on the floor, a wider sense and scope. So for me, uh, and I'll start off, I love the sound of Jaco Pistorius. Mm. Inspiration. I can't play like him. Mm -hmm. But he's an inspiration. He's why I got a fretless bass, and it's probably the one I have the most fun with. Mm-hmm. Obviously, my age, James Jamerson, that Motown sound. You were talking about the funk. Mr. Bootsy Collins yeah. brings the funk. I got into Marcus Miller later in life. Yeah. But then, you know, that was sort of the resurgence of my affection for jazz. And, of course, I mean, I've followed Getty since they were playing high schools. Those are kind of... My that's my list because they're all very different. Yeah, they play differently, and I think they give you a great sense of what's possible here. Mm-hmm. And I'm not taking away from other great bass yeah. players, but they're the ones I think of. Who would you add? For me, it's what style um, you're really into, and then um, so I mean, you know, as a kid, I, I grew up on the heavier stuff, so um, I really loved. Uh, Cliff Burton still do still yep. do even though um just uh and that's where you know I ran out and bought a wah and a fuzz pedal because <laughs> that's what he had um so if you're into anything kind of heavy but melodic like he was just uh, so good and I think for me like being a metalhead it was really hard to be a bass player and because you couldn't hear the bass and a lot of stuff so finding out you know that Cliff Burton was doing these things um was amazing so like so if you're into that kind of stuff um like you know john paul jones just well, he's just uh, a brilliant musician my period. favorite um uh, why i bought you know my jazz bass was him you know um how to you know play stuff because uh jacko is uh brilliant but he's also the lead instrument right and oh yes I, I, so um in that regard he's just like getty he's, yeah, it's a lead it's instrument. lead so do you want to see how far the bass could go yes him yes go check out victor Wooten. um all oh, the live good one 
all the live you could watch of them because it's just um you know just like mind-blowing what the hands are doing but as far as like laying it down you know i like you know like lewis johnson he played on all the disco hits and michael jackson's you know um grew up on that i love pino paladino just across the board how different um how he could play with the who and then go play with d'angelo and you know and play with paul young some of the greatest uh, fretless jacko like i said jacko could scare you so if you're into jacko and all those notes scare you well take it go listen to jacko joni mitchell and that was that was a game changer for me and i was like wow wow this i could maybe do (laughs) right i mean still his feel and everything but it made it was very melodic but you know, if you're into like you know, F- Flea is always still like awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, um, he's, he's got a great vibe. He's just um, he's so good, and he's so different too. Like you know, you're into that crazy slap stuff. Yeah, you know, you're into some melodic stuff. He's played some melodic bass lines. So it depends on what you're looking for. So if you're looking for, you know, you want to be a, a solid background bass player, laying it down, then you know, check out the stacks. Check out Motown um check out all that stuff everybody was just carol k like just all that stuff was so amazing now carol k did some really cool melodic stuff and so did jamerson so they're taking that they took that step a little bit above um i don't know how they were allowed to do like you know some of the things they did seeing how fast they were throwing the music out right and th- to come up with these cool parts within a four-hour session well, i think that, that's you know, what's amazing about yeah some of these you know tremendous session players just you know james jamerson is a good example carol k i mean she's part of the wrecking crew he was just like, they didn't yeah. know what they were going to play when no. they showed up no they you know and then the things that she came up with on the fly is brilliant like and, and and you know um session musician you sit down at your chair and you don't know who's coming in or or maybe you know who the artist is but you don't know the song they throw a chart of music in front of you chord changes maybe a written out bass line probably not and away you go and some of the things they were coming up with you know i i don't know you know it's like jack bruce like there's another good guy but he you know he had time they worked it out they right. they you know and then uh the live stuff for jack bruce is amazing and that's the other thing too is check out you know when you like or really like a bass line when you really like a bass line check out the live version also and see how they've changed it like there's like watching jack bruce play you know crossroad for example is different every time it's well, like yeah, how or, mad is he at Clapton at that moment? <laughs> or, <laughs> right? Well, like, yeah. Is he trying or, to overplay his solo? <laughs> or particularly when you when you make the distinction between recorded and live, the one that leaps out to me is John Entwistle. Because when he played live, don't expect the record. Yeah. Because you weren't going to get they it. Yeah. Getty is, is one of a kind. You, I mean, you can see his influences. He'll yeah. admit to them. Yeah, yeah. You know, Entwistle, Chris yeah. Squire, surprisingly Bill Wyman. Yeah. You know, but Bill's pretty cool. Bill's a pretty cool Bill's guy. Pretty cool. He just he wasn't freaky weirdo. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Right. Well, Manny, this has just been awesome. Yeah. I really, really appreciate you taking the time. I hope it was worth your time oh, and definitely. fun for you. Oh, lots of fun. Uh, do you have any closing thoughts for the audience? Uh, these are always the hardest thing, but you know, like if you pick bass, go go right into it. You know, like really, um, just really listen to bass players. Do all the googling. Watch all the all the live videos, watch all the, you know, there's so much information out there. So it's so great. Just so do no, it, no, do it, live it. <laughs> no toe dipping, get in the pool. Get, yeah, just get, okay. when you buy that bass, get in it. Um, But always remember, you know, make every note you play on the bass needs to be at the fullest and the most proper, like play with authority on bass because that's what people are dancing to. So just because you're playing, you know, three, 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 five, 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 and you're like, oh, I did it. Well, did you like you're really like listen to where you know play those whole notes for full length? Play those staccato notes where they're popping, making people's head bounce. <laughs> well, cool. Thanks, and thanks to everyone for listening to the podcast at thatguitarlover.com. I'm Ross, and I was Manny, and I <laughs> suspect I'll still be Manny next time. Please leave a <laughs> comment or send in a question if you have any to the site. There's a form that's available for you. And until next time, peace.